G'day guys, welcome to the Pod Pod. It's your boy Holmesy here. As you can probably tell, Dossie not available this week. Uh, word going around is that he's getting a little bit nervous coming into round one. His team's chopping and changing and he uh, he's actually a little bit worried. He doesn't think that he has the lux sewn up anymore. So we've had to uh, we've had to bring in the super sub, uh, Harmy, two-time top 10 finisher. And I'm not going to lie, I'm probably a little bit happier that you're on this pod this week instead of Dossie. Such an important week. So Harmy, how are you, mate? Going well, thanks, Hamzy. Thanks for having me. And as always, uh, we've got the Foss. You guys know him as the Statesman. I know him as my granddad. Foss, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm very good. Uh, I, I love this little break that we actually get between the last practice game and the season. And what I'm hoping to do is not make any structural changes from here on in. It's just let the rookies determine where everything falls. Yeah, as as Harmy was saying pre-show, though, it's, there's a long time between now and, and the start of round one and the, the weekend's games kind of, you know, brought up a few more questions than we might have really wanted. So we're still kind of in, in no man's land at the moment. But um, our other co-panellist, Louis, uh, is claiming that he's got his team locked and set and he's not going to touch it until round one teams come out Thursday. So, Louis, how are you, mate? I'm glad, good mate, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it does hold me somewhat accountable too. So, a bit like Stato said, uh, the rookies will dictate uh, what's to come from here, but just getting excited for the footy to start in uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's it, mate. Look, we have a, a bumper episode for the listeners plan today. We're going to go through game by game. Um, we've had all the, the co-panellists here um, sit down. We've watched all of the games between us. I know I've watched most of the games myself and... We're going to go through, we're going to talk about all the fantasy relevant content. Um, it's a bumper episode. We're going to get straight into it. But first off, I'm just going to let the listeners know, as always, this episode is brought to you by the Keeper League pod. Um, it's not just for your Keeper Leagues. Their website has a ton of resources to help you with your AFL fantasy classic team as well. Uh, that's things like CBAs, kicking trends, drafty fantasy analysis, scoring trends against teams. And then there's also lots of weekly AFL fantasy projections and much, much more. Please support us by supporting our sponsors and also get access to all those great resources. Use the code PODPOD at sign up for 20% off. As always, the link will be in the description below. All right, boys, let's let's jump in. Harmy, uh, the super sub, we'll start with you first. You covered the Hawks-Pies game. Uh, what would you like to get started with? Yeah, thanks, Holmes. You look a bit like Louie. Um, I was pretty keen to see some footy. So first game um, of the round and first opportunity to get to a game, I went along and watched uh, the game at Utah's there. So that was uh, really good. I don't know how many was there, but a bit over 6,000 people, they said, but it didn't seem that many. But um, it was still, still great to watch a bit of footy live. The first thing I sort of noticed was, uh, you know, I'm having a look at the CBAs and how um, both of the um, teams lined up. For the Hawks, Newcomb, Warple, uh, McKenzie in the CBA. And look, I couldn't help but notice um, Newcomb over the course of that first quarter. He was really just accumulating possessions with ease. So it did really um, bring him to my attention a bit more. He's somebody that I've had a bit of a look at, but haven't been overly hot on it. I guess in the Hawks lineup, I didn't think that um, he'd be able to knock a, a decent score each week. But I, I will say they actually competed quite well. It was played in the sort of new. Um, age game style of really fast paced frenetic and a lot of handballs and um, less chipping around um, so a lot by hand and less by foot um, the other thing in that first quarter I couldn't help but notice was um, McGuinness tagging Dacos I think that that's been reported um, quite widely he got his way to 58 points in the end but he started very slow he he was running all over the ground forward back through the midfield trying to shake it they started him at CBAs to try and shake it but he just couldn't you could tell he was getting frustrated there was one point where he threw McGuinness over behind the play when the umpire wasn't looking so you could tell he was sort of getting a bit um, annoyed about that um, the Pies starting ruck was Cox and it did really seem like he was the preferred ruckman. So I'm assuming you guys have been considering Darcy Cameron. Um, yeah, a couple of nods. Yeah, and yeah. he has been, for me, definitely. Um, in the end, he sort of quite played quite well as a forward anyway, and he found his way to 77 points. Now he's priced at 82. So I don't think it's the end of the world from what I have seen. And... 
um, working his way back from that hamstring injury. Still, he missed a couple of weeks really there. So, look, if he is still an option for us in the ruck, and I'm still a bit uncertain about that ruck lineup, but I'm just saying don't write him off completely because it wasn't all bad news, even though he wasn't the preferred ruck there. One ruck I think you can write off, though, is Lloyd Meek. He was really playing as a forward with Reeves in the ruck, and he didn't really get much of a touch. So I'd probably put a line through him if you were showing some interest. Um, Cam McK- oh, McKenzie, man, through the, ruck, uh, through the middle. He got a lot of CBAs. I'm really saying, I think that there was a bit of news that he, I think it was Sam Mitchell or one of the assistants said, oh, we're not sure about that round one team yet, but he's got to be locked. He was he was awesome um, and he's solid enough to play through there. Uh, I think he sort of, he's a couple of turnovers here and there, but ultimately they would have been really happy with the way he performed. Um, Warple, <sighs> tell you what, he's a, he is one bloke who you can, put in and out of your team from week to week. So I think, for me, at the moment, he's out. And I just... There, there was, a like, about half the game where he looked like um, an absolute genius, racking up clearances. But then there was also patches where there's a bit of that um, uncertainty around his disposal efficiency. But anyway, had a lot of CBAs, um, as did Tom Mitchell, who was back up this week. Um, I think last week we were a bit concerned about nine Collingwood midfielders going through their CBAs, but Titch had over 60% this week, and he had a score in the mid-90s. I'm kind of feeling like I think that might be about it. It might be about where he's at. So all those people that jumped off last week, Maybe some have jumped back on. Um, look, I wouldn't talk you out of it if you had him in there, but I think that um, he's not going to be that one ten scorer that we'd held some hope out for. Uh, look, I could probably talk a lot more, um, as I said, watching the game. Fergus Green, great, great lead up forward, contested hard. They looked for him as well, and uh, I liked what he did. Um, Will Day, plenty of CBAs. Josh Ward, bit of outside on the wing. A little bit inside too, but I feel like he may be the one on the outside more often than not. So I'm not sure if price at 72, he's he's the mid-price option for our midfield. Um, so yeah, look, a few question marks still coming out of the game, but McKenzie was obviously the big tick from me going, um, yeah, going home. Yeah, but I can keep going if you like, guys. Any questions? I feel like I've been talking a bit long there. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got one for you, Harmy. So you mentioned off-air that this bloke may or may not have uh, snuck into your team recently. But what about Will Day? So talk a little bit about more – talk more about Will Day and, and the reasons behind your you might be considering him more now compared to before. Oh, look, Will Day um, worked his way into the game well. I think he may have um, come off the bench and gone straight into the CBAs oh, about five-minute mark or something like that was his rotation. But – the more the game went on, the more he sort of got a few touches and he looked pretty clean. He looked like like that's that's probably three weeks now, like inter-club practice match and then the pre-season match where he's been in the midfield. So, you know, I guess that's one of the things we look for in our defenders. So he's someone I'm, I'm definitely considering whether or not he'll be there round one. I'm not quite sure yet. What would you need to project him to go to be a good pick in your eyes? Oh, sorry, off the top of my head, he's, he's priced mid-60, 66 maybe, something like that. And I think he's going to be an 80-type player, you know, but there's a chance that he's a little bit higher than that as well. So I think for a mid-priced defender, and I, it's probably more that I'm concerned about the defensive line, um, and I've kind of had mid-priced defenders there for a while. So, yeah, that's where I say it would probably just change a little bit of a restructure if I was going to get rid of him, and I might have to bring in another rookie. So this is this is what I'm tossing with at the moment. Yeah, one thing I will say: Hawks and Collingwood uh, last year, at least, were two of the teams that uh, the the midfielders found it really easy to score against in terms of points. So, being a preseason game as well, I think we might find that some of those midfield numbers are a little bit inflated, and and maybe they don't quite translate into the real thing, but. Um, all great points, Harmy. Louis, you had something to add? Yeah, just on Will Day, I get a little bit nervous with him um, just because pre-season games, obviously, a little bit more open. There's a lot more outside ball to be had. And even though he's in the midfield, his role is very much the sweeper. So he's relying on blokes to get it out to him. So he's not the first touch midfielder. And in 
what's going to be probably a pretty uncompetitive Hawks outfit for the majority of the year. I just think that his score is going to be too reliant on other Hawks midfielders also scoring quite well, which is makes me nervous. And obviously his price point and his defender status is what makes him relevant, but that's probably uh, why I'm a little bit hesitant um, to pull the trigger on that one. But I just think um, in that list that you mentioned there, it's worth backing over uh, Dacos and Warple and as well as Titch too in that game because it was quite a fantasy-relevant game, wasn't it, boys? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that, that Dacos thing, I was actually quite concerned. Went home, took him out of my team, thought, oh, no, that's season done for Dacos for my starting lineup. But then the next day I come to my senses and I put him back in. So I don't know. I still think he's going to be a good chance. But, I mean... Other other teams are going to look at that and look. McGinnis is probably one of the harder tags in the comp, maybe, but um, he, he definitely struggled. Yeah, there was one look. thing that Sam Mitchell said at the start of that game uh, when they mentioned that Finn McGinnis had gone to him, and and Sam Mitchell actually said, "Yeah, well, he better get used to that in regards to Nick Dacos being tagged." So it's it's definitely something that other coaches are going to consider, but uh, at the same time, I don't think it's. Um, you know, run away and don't pick him type stuff because he does strike me as that kind of player with that performance burning in the belly. He might just come out and, and smash you out a 120-130 um, to start the year. And even though it is a difficult fixture, there's not necessarily a um, a tagger in that mix. Um, so you know, I'm, it makes me a little bit nervous, but with the ownership numbers there i think you're pretty safe yeah and harmy i would just like to apologize to you on behalf of the pod pod because you're usually such a confident confident coach you know what you're doing and after being in the our pod pod group chat for only one week you've already uh started being a little bit flip floppy like dossy boy over there so um it's rubbing off a bit i hope i hope you don't uh fall too much but just remember Doss talks a lot of smack. Louis, you've got the floor, mate. You covered the Bulldogs-Kangaroos game. Let's uh, let's have a bit of a chat. Yeah, gee, I could have just kept going, lads. But, yeah, no worries. Let's uh, roll into the Dogs-Kangaroos, which was also quite fantasy-relevant as well, uh, starting off with a couple of the big dogs in that Dogs midfield. So, Jackson McRae. Uh, look, if you were keen at the 104 price tag beforehand, he gave you absolutely no reason not to be keen still. Uh, was part of that main midfield mix, was getting on the end of plenty of marks. Probably wasn't tackling as much as we'd like to see, but um, being a preseason game, it's also a pretty unnecessary stat. So I wouldn't be uh, worrying too much about that. So big tick for Jackson McRae. And look, I'll blanket these next two guys too, because they were also ticks if you were keen beforehand. And that's Marcus Bontempelli and Bailey Smith. Uh, both were used through the midfield frequently. Um, look, Baz was a little bit of a quiet start, but then came home strong. And then Bontempelli was just consistent throughout. And uh, not hard to believe why he might be a bit of a Brownlow favourite this year, just with his impact on the game. So those three, massive tick. Uh, Army, you got your hand up there, mate. Yeah, Bont mainly playing through the CBAs, and he doesn't didn't have that forward resting role that he did last year. Yeah, mainly through the CBA. So obviously we know that the dogs have straightened up a little bit up forward and maybe don't have um, as much of a small brigade up there, so they don't need the height of Bontempelli. Um, I think he'll still go down there in spurts and he might still get the occasional tag where he tries to shake it down there. But um, I think we're going to be looking at a centre bounce midfielder in Bontempelli this year. So it's something to look forward to and and to be honest, it's a mix that we haven't really seen. Um, even with the departure of Dunkley, we haven't really seen a full-time Bont in there for a number of years too. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see. Uh, going into the Ruckman, Tim English. I mean, I, really, you know what you're going to get with the dogs. So when I say, um, if you were keen before, don't be afraid now, I, I kind of do mean it. So Tim English looks relatively fit and by relatively fit I mean that he has had some niggles in the preseason but he couldn't show you any more by playing the last two games the trial game and the practice game uh, and looked fantastic doing it so I uh, wouldn't have any issues there the big talking point out of the dogs was probably Toby McLean uh, he's been locked into a lot of coaches uh, fantasy forward lines for for months now uh, and yeah I've probably been championing him quite a bit 
but he just looked lost out on that wing and uh, wasn't able to find the footy. He was on about nine points at halftime and uh, just ominous signs, I think. And uh, as we know, that wing role, you can get lost a bit in. So uh, I think a lot of coaches will be fading him based off the back of this. Do you think that's an overreaction, Holmesy, or...? Uh, well, look, the role was definitely a big tick, but I think when it's your job to win outside ball, if you're if you're struggling to win the outside ball in a game like that, I think you might be in a little bit of trouble. So maybe he's not going to be that 70, 75, 80 scorer that many of us had pegged him to be in the, the start of the preseason when, you know, everyone's, everyone's progressing. But, yeah, I think even after that performance, he's going to be probably pretty touch and go for the 22 as well. You've got to think... Just from a, an overall point of view, and this is why we talk about those preseason games not necessarily translating over. So, the Western Bulldogs scored pretty much 1750 total points that game compared to their average of 1540 in the previous year. So, yeah, they're going to beat up on some sides this year, and they're going to have games like that. But um, I wouldn't think that those all of those scores are necessarily going to translate over. So, that's definitely a worry for McLean. I do just wonder how much Oscar Baker eats into Toby McLean there too because he was looking all right sort of running up and down that high half forward wing uh, and probably taking a lot of the touches and and the impact that what uh, Toby McLean would have taken a couple of years ago. Yeah, just on Oscar Baker, I I saw um, they did an interview with one of their assistant coaches and they actually said that Oscar Baker wasn't actually pegged to play that game. He was only going to be on the bench, but I think it was the injury to Cody Waitman forced their hand and he came on and, and he took that opportunity with both hands and more. So, yeah, if he comes on now and, and takes that role off McLean, then, yeah, it's it's going to make it hard for us to pick McLean. Uh, then moving on over to the Kangaroos, they've got a couple of uh, fantasy-relevant names for a change this year as well. Uh, none bigger than probably Will Phillips, who's been penciled in for plenty of coaches pretty much for the last uh, 12 months. Uh, look, he's got the role. He's on the inside, uh, former number three draft pick, uh, a bottom side in North Melbourne. He's going to have plenty of opportunity. Uh, that's what we've seen throughout the whole preseason. Uh, the scoring may be a little bit of a concern just because of how poor North likely are going to be. And we saw that through a few of their scorers on the weekend. But at the same time, um, he is a player that's missed a lot of football over two years. And he could be someone who takes to it pretty comfortably. And uh, look, honestly, uh, I-, I think it's uh, it's nothing to worry about his scoring. And I'd be comfortable with him at, at M8. Uh in the midfield there with him is Luke Davies Uniac and this was a guy where I was kind of surprised to see the feedback um, on socials. A lot of people have gone cold on him just because the fantasy score didn't necessarily reflect um, what he did in that game. So he, he had 34 centre bounce attendances and was on the ground 90% of the time, which uh, ticks plenty of boxes when you're looking at roll and time on ground, of course. Uh, it just didn't reflect in scoring, but it didn't for his teammates either. Look, it's something to be maybe a little bit concerned over, but uh, you know this isn't. Go- it's not going to come out like a Rolls Royce in the preseason game. Uh, he's got the role, and if that continues into round one, where he has West Coast, uh, he could get off to a really hot start. Yeah, the the role is definitely a big tick, Lou, and I think you highlighted it quite well in terms of. There are going to be games where the Kangaroos probably do struggle to score against, especially against some of your really top eight sides that are hunting for a flag. The one thing that really stuck out to me was um, Ben Cunnington. He was in the middle a lot more than I thought he was going to be, and and it really seemed like he was demanding a lot more of the footy in there than well, clearly last year because he wasn't there. So if you've got Cunnington in there and you've also got Simpkin in there, and they're kind of trying to switch it around a little bit and it's not always the hit to LDU like it was last year. Maybe those back end of the back end of season scores don't translate as well into this year as what we thought. But you, you're right, he's still definitely underpriced. The role was there, the time on ground was there and you'd think the Kangaroos still should be able to improve a little bit. So if you were hot before, it's probably a little bit reactionary to jump off now. Yeah, and that's probably the first time we've seen it where Cunnington's had that lion's share of the CBAs. And like you said, Holmes, it's something that we didn't see at the back end of last year when he really did come home like a like a freight train. So it's it's something to consider and maybe that does eat into his ceiling a little bit. Uh, Sheasel uh, is next. Uh, look, he's a lock. Um, Harry Sheasel. Uh, it's it's quite obvious that Clarko wants the ball in his hands, so he started up forward, uh, wasn't making much of an impact, and then he was moved to half back to try and find some pill. I think 
that's a strategy by Clarko to fast track this kid. Uh, it's it's obvious to see, um, even from a handful of touches, that he's got class personified and he's going to be a star for that football club. So punching out a 75 in a preseason game, couldn't have uh, put more of a highlighter over his name. And I think he's going to be someone that coaches can now be confident in, in locking into their sides. He's not just a small forward. Uh, he's going to offer something more and... Uh, if he can pop something early, a little bit like a Joshua Shelley did uh, early on last year, then he could be someone who really makes us a lot of cash this year. Yeah, perfectly. Uh, and then, look, finally, I just mentioned Cam Zerha did his calf out of that game, which was probably relevant a week ago when he had um, a decent amount of CBAs, but uh, we probably saw in the weekend a bit of a reversion to normalcy where Zohar just had a handful and um, the other guys took up that slack, so not too much to worry about there. Just a couple of things from me, Lou. Last week I um, did talk up Tristan Cherry a bit and I saw a Goldie must have just been rested the week before a management thing or something because he came back in and it was a real ruck split. I think Cherry probably had a little bit more of the CBAs but was pretty close and I think that probably puts a line through him based on what you saw and the um, scoring that they both put up. One, Louis, I was going to ask you about. Um, Dossie sent me a message. One of his boys, Steve-O, how'd he go? Oh, Jesus. I wasn't even looking at Steve-O, if I'll be honest. Not too uh, well didn't in didn't the first he play half. twos? Didn't play. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I didn't, didn't see him at all, mate. So uh, you almost caught me out there, but... Uh, yeah, no, scratch scratch Jaden Stevenson off your lists unless you're Doss, of Put course. Put him in the maybes. Mm-hmm. But as always, Dossie goaded, Dossie special, and Dossie one step ahead of the pack. All right, let's get the Foss talking. It's been very quiet over there. Stato, what did you realise or see from the Cats-Brisbane game? Yeah, it was an interesting game, actually. Um, it wasn't majorly high scoring, to be fair. The Cats just um, sharing it... Um, the low time on ground and the low scoring. But let's get into to Brisbane where there was a, a little bit uh, of excitement there. And the main uh, the main one is Dunks. Um, he is just purely a lock. Um, you must have him in your team. Uh, great little uh, game, only about 75% game time and pumped out a 120. Just looked uh, rock solid there. He's just a perfect pick this year. Um, Will Ashcroft, um, I think we got everything we were hoping to see. Um, interesting that uh, he had more game time than McCluggage, Bailey and Dunks. Um, so that's a, a fair bit of pat on the back for a, for a young kid. So he's got the tank. 97 uh, he scored. So really impressive. Make sure he's starting on your field. I am amazed that only 60% of the, the competition actually have him on. Uh, certainly the goods there. A um, couple of other interesting things. Um, and, and the defence, we were keen to see if there was going to be a, a rookie or two or, or someone like a McKenna who is reasonably cheap. Um, but they just shared so much of the time and so much um, around there that no one really popped out a good score. So even Kitty Coleman uh, could only get himself in the 60s. So that's a little bit of a concern that they're just uh, sharing the load there, which I don't know if we're going to get the score as we want. I think Wilmont um, looks good enough to be in the team, but only scored uh, a 43, a bit of time on the wing. He looks good. He looks fine. Whether he stays in that squad to be best 22 uh, round one is still a question mark. Um, but I think with that scoring power, if he does play, he should be on your bench only. Um, a call out to McCluggage too. The suitcase uh, was quite good. Uh, gave us a 95 from 94 minutes playing time. And I did like Zach Bailey's game and got some CBAs, not a lot, um, but I think he's got a bit of scoring power, but he's probably more a draft player than he is for classic. Moving on to Geelong, really there's not too much to report. Unsure if Dempsey actually makes it in the team, but uh, as a 200k um, uh, forward, uh, it's an interesting one if he does get selected. It's his second season, had a couple of games last year without putting much of a score on the board. He gave a, f- 
54. So if he does get selected, it might be worthwhile on your bench. Uh, Brougham was the really only other one of interest. Um, had a good role, CBAs. Um, gave us a 74, which I just don't know is enough with a price tag of 470. The roles a tick, um, whether he can find enough of the footy and whether he keeps that level of CBAs and the, the talk from the coaches after the game was he's putting his hand up to potentially be in the round one team. So they're not saying he's in and he's CBAs. They're talking about that he's helping his chances of playing round one. So that was a little bit of a flag. He's a cheaper option. But to me, he's probably 80, 90K too expensive to be a little bit serious. But I like the role. Yeah, I think the, the thing you really got to hammer home about that Geelong game is that the, the roles were just all over the place yep. and they've still got a lot of those veterans to still come back in and playing off in a grand final. They're clearly a little bit further back in their preseason than a lot of these other sides are um, who were able to start early because they didn't make the eight. So I know for myself... With fantasy, I like to have certainty in role. And with a Brune, I just can't 100% say that he's going to have the role that we need. So he would be someone that I would might look to jump onto in the early rounds if he does just pop and, and we see that in the real thing. But starting him, if he starts and he doesn't have the role and he goes back to his 50s and 60s, then he's a bit of a no pick. And if he can't get off, then your season's really done. And Stato, it was you last week, wasn't it, that said you're just not touching any Geelong players to start, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm just a little bit worried of where everything's heading and we just don't know enough, to be honest. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm also mindful that the, the senior bods that they've got, how often are they going to rest? So I want to sort of get some mm. indication. I was, I was hoping there will be some, um, some value in that squad, just with a few list changes, but I don't really see it at the moment. Um, there is the potential... Of that Dempsey, so I'll be keeping an eye on selection for him. But, yeah, I can't say I'm a massive fan on any cats in Classic this year. Yeah, the, the only one I really like is probably Tom Stewart, and that's um, just based off of it's going to be a role that he's played for the last couple of years, and it's usually conducive of a fantasy scoring, but um, even not a lot of confidence in that. We talked about You talked about Brune there, but, I mean, the, the starting midfield was still like Dangerfield, um, Cam Guthrie, and Blixavs, and then Parfit coming in, and then Brune was like the fifth string. So I don't think he'd have much confidence in his role um, round one. They're such an established team that they can afford to try different things for multiple games of the preseason, and you, you just know they're going to get it right round one and uh, probably be firing towards the end of the year. So, it's, yeah, it's massive grains of salt there. Yep. Perfect, boys. I don't think we need to cover that game too much more. Moving on, I'll have my first crack at this. So I'm going to cover the Frio-Port game. We thought we'd take Port Adelaide away from Louis uh, for once. So uh, Frio versus Port, starting on the Port Adelaide side, um, starting with the midfield. So Connor Rosie, 80% CBAs, massive time on ground. Um, if you were hot on him before, which you very much should be, he's a fantastic player. Um, he did nothing for his round one chances any harm. I still think that there might be a bit of a tag issue down the track with how dominant and dangerous he is. But uh, for now, I think you can have full confidence in locking him being underpriced as a, a really a, a top six forward. Then you basically had uh, Jason Horn, Francis and Wines next as the two mainstays. And JHF was actually quite good. He scored an 80. Um, it's interesting. I'm not sure whether he's going to have that much time in the real stuff come round one. We know that he had a bit of an interrupted preseason, and they're they're still building his loads. And he still strikes me as a little bit of a an impact player rather than that accumulator at this stage of his career. So, priced in the the mid 60s or whatever he is, I think there's probably better options in the forward line. But he definitely didn't do his chances of being picked in your side any harm. Um, and then it was just little bursts from Drew, Jones and Butters. And I think that kind of rules Butters out for us now. I'd, I would be wary of picking both Rosie and Butters in the same side. And it seems that Butters just isn't at his full fitness coming into round one. So he's not someone I'd really look to, to target just yet. Sticking with the midfield, uh, there was no Travis Boak, obviously. So um, take those numbers with a grain of salt. Uh, Boak, it's pretty clear that he'll play a lot more forward this year but I still think he's going to have some time in the midfield so um, some of those numbers might come down and then the big ruckman Scott Lysette 
um, he did not put his hand up whatsoever. So he only played 60% time on ground, uh, but he was monstered by Sean Darcy. And and Tickle, when he came on, wasn't on for very long either. But um, I think it's pretty clear from that split that it's going to be Scott Lysette as the main ruck or the only ruck come round one with um, little chop-outs from probably Dixon. So probably not looking to start Lysette now, especially coming up against Big O round one. But... Uh, yeah, just thought I would mention that. Boys, was there anything else from Port Adelaide that sort of stuck out? Just on that ruck, that ruck battle you spoke about there, um, it looks like on the opposite side, Darcy had a chop out from Tracy, so Tracy just took the um, took the role of uh, Jackson, did he, in that ruck yeah, battle? Yeah, Darcy was essentially a full-time ruck with only little chop outs of Tracy, which we will get to, Harmy. Um, Port Adelaide, no, you're right. Um, that's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll move on to the Freo side now. Just one thing about Port Adelaide, they were one of the highest fantasy scoring teams last last season, and then this week they were one of the lowest. So whether that's a change of game style or whether that's them just really managing loads coming into round one, um, I'm not too sure there. On the Fremantle side, so the Fremantle midfield was extremely tight, okay? So you had uh, Brayshaw, you had Sarong, you had uh, Jago O'Meara and then you had Will Brody, the four there and they were all in there above 70% okay so there's no secondary roles there um, it's pretty clear that that's what uh, Justin Longmuir likes to do with his midfielders they're just midfield and midfield only um, rotating off the bench so if you're keen on any one of those players I think they're all going to be very good scorers especially being in that Fremantle side that I tipped to take another jump this year and now let's talk about Sean Darcy because this R2 spot has given us a lot of panic over the last couple of months we know that there was no Luke Jackson but Stato I'm interested in your thoughts on Sean Darcy because from my eyes he's looking as fit and trim and he's covering the ground the best that he ever has and we know that this is what he does he, he gets injured but I am actually someone that's heavily considering Sean Darcy so what were your thoughts yeah I like the look of him there's no doubts about that I it just the factor that there's going to be some form of sharing um, has me a little bit concerned um, I, I haven't looked at his matchups, but I do like the price point. Um, so he's got Rowan Marshall first up. He's got uh, uh, North Melbourne, um, so the, the double boys. He's got West Coast um, round three, which I really do like that matchup if there's no nicknet. Um, but look, I haven't strongly considered it, but I, I understand why others would. Yep, that's that's the thing. He's, he's just someone that we're kind of looking at at the moment because there is so much up in the air at that R2 spot. Um, he's just not someone that I'd be ruling out, especially because I know a lot of coaches are looking at a Jared Witts as well, who admittedly will have more of a lion's share on the ruck. But um, I think you'll find that that Sean Darcy-Luke Jackson ruck split will probably be around that 70-30, 60-40 and, and not as dramatic as what um, some coaches have predicted throughout the preseason. Two more players just to mention, um, just on that wing spot. So we know that there's a wing spot available at Freo and it seems like there's a few players putting their hand up there. My thoughts are that they probably will put the an Ethan Hughes in there round one, being that older, bigger body who, um, who probably knows the system a little bit better. But at times, Liam Henry did some good things out there, but he's never really been that accumulator. He's been more of that gut runner, more quantity over... Qual, uh, sorry, quality over quantity player, but he did score well and he's priced just above 300k. And then Sam Sturt, he's the one that we really want to get a game round one, 200k basement forward, spent a lot of time forward, but high half forward pushing up onto that wing, did kick two goals to get to his score. Um, but if, yeah, if he's there round one, he probably is someone that we need to look at with the uh, lack of forward options. Louis, was there anything else you'd like to mention before we move on? No, I think you nailed it, mate. Um, yeah, I don't mind the Darcy pick. I, I think in that price range, he's probably the one that presents the most upside. Uh, it's just a question of whether or not that's going to be enough upside, uh, which doesn't help anybody and uh, definitely going round and round in circles in regards to the into the ruck strategy. Sam Sturt is an interesting one. Uh, I think he could be a bit of a smash play if he is named round one just because he's got Saints and then he follows up with North Melbourne, West Coast, Adelaide and Gold Coast. So if he's out on that wing or even uh, you know high half forward type areas, uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of ability to find some uncontested marks, build that score build, and uh, just be a really solid cash-generating rookie 
uh, potentially at F6, but probably more likely sort of F7, F8. I'm, I'm quite liking Sam Sturt there. Yeah, just on that, Louis, we say in the preseason to have a look at who's not there rather than who's there, and Michael Frederick and Michael Walters both didn't play in this game, so that's two players that are probably entrenched in their best 22. So if he does get the nod round one, there's no guarantee that he'll keep that role moving into the early parts of the season. All right, Harmy, let's get stuck into your Bomber boys. They played St Kilda. Yeah, they sure did. It was a bit of an interesting game. It was um, played down at St Kilda there in pretty blustery conditions, so probably a little bit different to um, most of the AFL games these days in the big stadiums. But anyway, they it did actually kind of influence the game a bit because you could see the disposal efficiency. Like, both of these teams actually... Um, tried to hold the ball up a little bit and play a bit by foot and chip it around a little bit and that led to probably quite a few um, turnovers and errors by foot as well but anyway that's just a gameplay sort of thing so um, Mason Wood he knocked out 137 so priced at 72 we'd be pretty keen to lock him in for a 60 point upside um, this season so that's probably the first one Uh, Marcus Windhager he he broke his hand um, but he I sort of looked at it. He he did it in the first minute of the game. So, um, so I can't I can't remember. But it might have been Bytel got subbed in for him at that point in time, and Bytel actually went on to have a pretty good game. And I think he scored about seventy, and he's priced at three hundred and five thousand. So he's probably one if he's named round one, and they don't elect to bring in. Um, somebody like Seb Ross that could be an option for us, I suppose, at a fairly cheap price. Um, once I saw Windhager, it made me actually think, um, Holmesy, about round one and that tag that was meant to be going to Andrew Brayshaw. So um, maybe sort of put him um, back into contention for my team. Um, made me more bit more keen on him, I suppose. They sort of the club said, "Oh, he'll be right for round one," but geez, we'll see. Um, main one in the ruck battle was Marshall. Man, he he was everywhere. Good. In the ruck, good around the ground. I mean, at his price, I just think that he's going to be really highly owned and I think we'll all be pretty well locking him in. All bar Doss, yeah. I mean, the guy had 24 – he had 24 disposals. Oh, yeah, apart from Dossie. can't remember what that concern was about. <laughs> um, Jack Steele, similar to LDU, um, he was in the CBAs, 88% CBAs. Um, Got a few tackles. He was really just cruising around. And the game, the, the sting was really out of the game. The Bombers kicked a couple of goals early, but after that they didn't really fire a shot and um, the Saints were had a bit of a buffer, 20, 30 points kind of throughout the day. So it wasn't as if he um, really had to kill himself um, at the coalface in the CBA. So I wouldn't sort of let that deter you. Alan David Jr., he was somebody that um, really popped his head up for me um, and he was probably the Bombers' most dangerous small forward. So he was probably ahead of, um, do I mean, ahead of um, Tipper as well from my perspective. So he, he looked really good, um, sort of worked up the ground a little bit. So I think he's somebody that we will have to consider. Uh, Merritt is somebody that I quite like and... Uh, and I watched him last week and I watched him the week before as well. And he just gets it done. I and mean, he just like get these little legs pumping and he gets to space, gets a heap of little inside handballs and stuff, and he just gets the point. So um, I think somebody else mentioned before about that round one tag from McGinn as well. Geez, it's possibly going to him, but um, I think that Merritt's going to be a good option again for us this year. McGrath. Uh, he looks fit, like he ran to space, took a lot of um, uncontested marks and stuff on the back flank, but also kind of coming forward from that um, back 50 arc as well. So he, he looked excellent. I think he hit 100 points uh, for the game. Hunter Clark had a few few CBAs, but I'm not sure if he's really got the scoring type of game to be a worthwhile pick at his, his current price point. Setterfield, plenty of CBAs. He's going to be in the Bombers midfield mix, so... I'm not really sure how many of these mid-priced players you can look at, but he's probably some one that I think um, quite a p- few people will look at. I think that I think he's going to get those CBAs. It's sort of like Merritt, Parish, Shield, Setterfield, and then sprinkling of a few others. Um, yeah, so he was kind of good, but I just feel like he's going to be there. I'm not sure if he's the right price. 
Um, Mateus Filippo, yeah, he, he took a couple of good grabs and he, he, he sort of led quite well coming out of the 50, but he's a bit of a lead up forward. Um, and I don't really know what that's going to mean for us. I think everybody sort of raves about his um, scoring potential, but that was seen for under-18s comp and we've seen quite a few come out of that league and have high, high points. Um, so... Look, I think you should still be keen on him, and we may need him regardless because <laughs> there may sort of not be that many rookies named, but um, he was just okay for me. Ridley took a bunch of marks and kickouts, um, and Krauts accumulated a, a several points. So another one I didn't really harp on too much, but Darcy Parrish's 39 points. I think people have probably overstated um, the pressure that he got. It wasn't like he got a really hard tag. Um, a lot of the time it was just people arm over at the CBA. So probably a, a touch concerning, somebody that I was looking at and I think I'm, I've put a cross through him now. Yeah, another another one of Dossie's boys, eh? We'll let, Dossie's taken him out of his team. I'm sure he'll be back in back in at some stage before round one. But yeah, it's, it's got to be concerning um, when you can get tagged out of a preseason game to 30. Stato. Do, do you think Ridley is a fair dinkum option for our defence? Yeah, just with Ridley, it, it's sort of... it's You've got to think of it in conjunction with um, Redman and McGrath. It's not just Ridley coming out. It's sort of like with with Hawthorne, they got Sicily pumping the ball out all the time. But it's a bit of a shared role, really, I, think, I feel. Um, and like the way that the Saints were delivering the ball into the 50, just high, chipping it up, and the wind kind of helped him a little bit, I think, Stato. That and also the fact that, you know, uh, Machido Owens is their full forward. Filippo is probably their second forward. Like they don't have a forward structure. So these key backs, uh, it's, it's no surprise why they all feasted on marks and all got a reasonable fantasy score is because they just they just weren't really playing an AFL standard forward line, in my opinion. But lost. Just uh, one quick one, Harmy, before we go. You didn't really touch on him, but Jack Steele, I know a lot of people all over Twitter are jumping off. Uh, personally, I think there's not much to see here. Building his loads coming into round one, still tackling, but is he a concern for you? I wouldn't be concerned. Uh, I mean, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Look, he didn't stand out, okay? So he didn't do an Errol Goulden, but he he still had the, the exact same role he's had the last few years. I don't see him going back and being uh, below 100. Like, he's still going to be a good player and their main man there. So... Um, look, just one other thing I didn't touch on. with the We talked about like North Melbourne having a shared ruck and that sort of thing. Well, the other thing about Ryan Marshall is when you said Machado Owens there, Louis, you made me think of it. He took a ruck tap or a couple and Zane Cordy took a couple. But other than that, it was just Marshall as well. So <laughs> he's just the number one ruck in that team quite clearly. Yeah. Yeah, no. Nah. Lock Rowan Marshall in, um, except for Dossie. You're not allowed to pick him now. All right. Stato, can you please go through the Sydney-Carlton game? Well, um, we're only going to talk about two players here. The first one we'll give 15 minutes to, that's uh, being my boy Errol. Uh, how good was he? And, and look, it's unfair to claim him. Um, I, I won't do that. But my God, was it exciting to watch. Now, the, the reality here is that... Um, he, uh, he won't get this amount of midfield time in the home and away. Um, but one thing that, that Horse and all the coaches actually talked about during the pre-season was that they're going to share the load with the young lads. And obviously, uh, Errol is one of the young lads. Um, really impressive performance. Uh, you can't hold back that. 177. It is pre-season. Um, and... Don't get too excited, but I, I think he showed that he's got a massive ceiling um, and a worthwhile pick um, for the season. So I'd be certainly looking at him um, to be your uh, fourth um, forward. I think that's uh, really good value. And if you're struggling for one of those midfielders, possibly you can take uh, Dunkley as uh, one of the midfielders there. Um, Blakey looked good. Uh, we expected him to have a real drop-off with uh, uh, the um, the illness, but uh, he actually looked fine. Uh, the one I was really impressed with was actually Roberts. He just looks so classy. He's a 200k mid, um, but just be mindful that their midfield runs so deep um, that there's a strong possibility that he's going to be wearing a vest when he gets his opportunities. 
Uh, Robum was the the big loser here. Um, everyone was expecting uh, a massive lift from him, um, and that uh, did not eventuate, uh, unfortunately. Um, um, Lloyd was just nowhere. Um, unfortunately, I think we're just going to mm. get used to him continually sliding and the reliance not being on him. Uh, and I can tell you that uh, Braden Campbell looked super impressive. And uh, it's just another one of those great ball users that they've got in defence. Uh, Doherty, it's so hard to ignore now. Um, I've been thinking all year I'm starting without him, um, but he's currently sitting in my defensive line. It's just hard to ignore. We've got so many question marks on our um, defence. So uh, I'm certainly playing him. Hewitt and Kennedy, yeah, great scores, but the reality is they were out well, without Paddy uh, and got the rewards. And uh, certainly a, a couple of rookie uh, options or chances, should I say, through the Blues. Um, uh, if they do get named, because it's nice and early, I'll be putting them on the bench and putting the, the big E on them. Yep. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with any more of that state. I think you, you summed it up well. Um, those young guys are definitely going to be going through the midfield a lot more, but uh, just take those numbers with a grain of salt because it's not like Callum Mills is just going to come and sit in the back pocket again. He's still going to play a very big role um, in 2023 as the co-captain and, and Luke Parker still does what he does. What about the, the Carlton side other than Doherty? Um. Yeah, look, it wasn't over impressive to be honest. But uh, this is the preseason. You just got to you got to look at roles. Got to look at um, the the systems. Um, I didn't think there was too much to get excited about. But look, there's four players coming into that side for round one. So I, I think there was a few um, trying really hard to cement a spot. Um, the West, the the rest uh, at the end of the day are just getting ready for round one. So there wasn't a lot to notice um, outside those main couple of players. Yeah, I, th- I think if you were someone that was considering considering a Chera, I think that's someone we need to put a line through now, especially with Sam Walsh um, expected to return earlier than expected. No one's shocked there. So um, I think him being that fourth midfielder or that third midfielder, I'm not sure the scores are going to be there for him to consistently score over 100, although I'm sure he'll still have some some good games uh, throughout there. Just quickly on the two rookies, Stato, so Cowan and Chincotta, thoughts there? Yeah, like them both. Um, they, they look quite impressive in their little bits, but remember they've got some players, um, so we're, we're talking McGovern and Marchbank to come back. Uh, into that defensive line. I think they want them there. Um, so I think only one of them are going to get uh, a gig round one at best. Yeah, and I suppose the sicko and us kind of hopes that it's Jim Cotter being that mature age player who's at 200k. But I think um, the coach came out during the week or one of the coaches said that it's pretty much those two vying for that last spot. So I think if either one of those guys gets a, gets a game, I think you got just got to lock them away and and potentially play them on ground as well, with the defence being pretty thin down there. All right, Louis, take us through the GWS Gold Coast game. Oh, look, mate, I was just going to say maybe we should allocate the other 14 and a half minutes to Errol Goulden because he's probably worth a bit more chat here. So, averaged 83 last year off 10% CBAs. Uh, so, he wasn't quite on everybody's radar, but then obviously comes out a week ago, goes 70% CBAs, comes out again. Uh, I don't have the CBAs on me right now, but obviously punches out the 177. Uh, all of a sudden, this guy's come off the radar, so to speak, to to be a real breakout candidate with forward status, no less. Uh, look, I'm struggling to see a world where this guy doesn't jump up firstly from his 10% CBAs to somewhere in the sort of 20 to 40 range, and that's up to horse, uh, unfortunately. Uh, he averaged 95 on a wing, and I understand there was a 157 in there that might skew things a little bit, but that just goes to show the ceiling that the guy has. He's 20 years old, and he's in one of the best sides in the comp. I just struggle to see how this guy um, is presenting any downside, and uh, he's really just put his hand right up above everybody else for the upside that he does have, and in a forward line where you only really need to sort of scrape 90, well, let's say three to four to just be up and about top six forward. And it might be a little bit different this year given the talent, but I just think this guy 
is presenting unbelievable value. And uh, I do feel for the people that had him as a pod, um, but it's it's something that is worth discussing, I think. Yeah, look, Louis, I, I think you're, you're right in the fact that he opens up with Gold Coast and Hawthorne as well, um, two of the best matchups you can get in fantasy footy, I think. If anyone's going to come away with a hot start in a game like that, it's going to be Errol. So you're right. I don't think he goes lower than his 83. He's he's going to improve. And if he gets that bump up to that 40% or even even more CBA range, then he's going to be someone that we're probably going to need. So may as well start him with those two matchups. Keep rolling through, Louis. Let's get to that Gold Coast GWS game now. No worries, mate. Uh, so another relevant one for at least one of these sides, uh, GWS, Josh Kelly had the lion's share of the CBAs, which is super relevant. Uh, when he has been the leading CBA getter for the Giants, he's been a massive scorer. He's a guy who's done, I think it was 115 before. It was certainly over 110. Uh, and he's gone through periods where he's done that exact same thing as well. Uh, comes in under price because Crazy Leon wanted to play him as a forward, didn't really get the CBA mix, and um, Kingsley's come in this year and he's decided, at least from what we can see, that Josh Kelly's going to be one of the main guys in the midfield there, and that's consistent with what he said all preseason. So he, he sort of said Josh Kelly, Tom Green, Stephen Canelio, and Harry Perryman are going to be the main midfield mix, and that's exactly what we saw on the weekend. Uh, so Josh Kelly, if you were keen before, um, jump on. And if you weren't keen before, it's t- it's time to start looking at this guy perhaps because uh, there's a lot of things adding up here. And I-, I just think he could be that guy who does break from that 101 to 110 range, which is what you'd like. Probably slightly more relevant uh, just below him is Tom Green. Uh, he's probably worth a little bit more discussion too, just at his ownership, about 20%. Uh, he's very much the M1 of GWS's midfield. He is the hit too. He is the guy that they go to. But unfortunately, that results in a lot of handballs. It seems like his role is very much to see ball, get ball, give to uh, Josh Kelly or give to Stephen Cornelio or give to somebody else. And I just worry that that's going to hamper his ceiling a little bit through the lack of marks and and uh, also the spread probably left a little bit to be desired. Uh, Harmy, what, what did you think about that, mate? Well, he had a great game, didn't he? Like you noticed oh, he did, him, yeah. Be but- fair to say, yeah. Like so, so let's have a think about that. He had a great game for himself. He was noticed. He did his role. He did his bit for the team. He scored ninety-five points, and he's priced at eighty-five points. So, what about when he has a down game? Well, when he has a down game, I don't see him getting 35 touches, which is what he needed to get to get that 95 in the first place. Mm. So what I worry about is if he does get attention, even if he doesn't, if he does have that down game where he sits at 27 or 28 disposals, um, does does that then equate to just that rough 80 score, which is, you know, he's kind of doing it, he's got the role, but he's just not putting the points on the board. And it, you, you sort of start to enter like that Jacob Hopper territory of a couple of years ago. Uh, Holmesy? Yeah, I think the thing with Tom Green is we really wanted to see him adding a bit of an outside game to get on the end of a few easy marks and and get it get a bit of the link up play but you're right he was very much the stoppage to stoppage in and under zero marks in a game like that where you know the outside players were just absolutely feasting maybe that's part of it maybe they didn't need to him in a game like that but i think that point rings true harmy that if he's having 35 disposals in a game like that but still only putting up a 95 what's going to happen in a in a down game so that's that's a great point and he's someone that i'm still considering and he's actually in my side at the moment but um that's a that's a great point I think he's got upside. I don't think he's going to be a bad pick, but I do I do just worry about the upside there, especially when you're extrapolating, you know, Josh Green's in that side, Stephen Cornelio's in that side, people are backing Lockie Whitfield to be in that side uh, and bounce back. And the next one who I'll talk about, Finn Callahan, who probably showed a bit on the weekend too on that wing, uh, played really low time on ground, which um, I assume is just a load thing, but... Uh, didn't struggle to find the football at all. Didn't struggle to score either. Uh, looks at home along that wing and is uh, very much a cog in their system and part of their play. So he comes in an awkward price, about 400k. You really want him to probably go at you know 75 to 85 in that range and that's maybe being a little bit conservative. The problem with him is it... He relies on outside ball, and that's not always going to happen. And, of course, he was able to get that in a preseason game. But uh, when it gets into the contested stuff, 
uh, is when I worry. So look, I'm not going to knock him as a pick, and I think there is something there. He's, he's shown a good fantasy game, but somebody I would rather trade into rather than actually um, start in my side because it's a it's a pretty lonely price tag to start at 400k. Yeah. Yeah, perfect, Lou. What about the Gold Coast side? Because these are some. This is a team that I kind of pegged to it to improve again, and they were missing their best midfielder in Took Miller. And you can't really take a preseason game too seriously, but they were pretty underwhelming for what we saw. Yeah, they were. Um, there was no Took, so obviously their captain uh, Noah Anderson played extremely low time on ground, like sixty percent, and uh, because of that, Rao probably exceeded a little bit. Uh, he was a takeaway that I took out of this game. Looked fantastic, but then you know. What do you take out of it when the main two midfielders aren't always in there? So, uh, Charlie Constable was another one. I, I think he's someone that we lock into our teams now. He's playing off halfback. He's taking kick-ins. You can tell that he's actually intertwined with their system. So, I'm even softening on thinking that maybe he doesn't have a role in that team post the first month. I, I think he might actually be... Um, best 22 for that side for a considerable amount of the year which means that I'm going to have to start him and let's be honest with that time on ground and that scoring potential I could see Charlie Constable being uh, one of the saviors of our back line which is something we wouldn't have been saying probably a month ago let alone you know uh, <laughs> two years ago when he was delisted so uh, finally and probably the last relevant one in this side was Wits and um, there's not much to give here so he did Wits things looked really good for three quarters and then came off in the last quarter so if you're keen on wits then no reason not to pick him uh like we said a few weeks ago he's a 90s guy and that's just what he's going to be able to do yep yeah just the other one i know there's been a lot of hype around flanders and he put up another another big score as well but very little cbas took miller still to come back into that side noel anderson to go fully into that midfield i He's just another one of those outside players that when, when it's on their day and they're controlling the footy, he's going to bob up and he's going to score well, but there's going to be games where it's not on their terms, uh, which means that uh, the scoring might not be there. All right, moving on. Got two to go, boys. We're doing well. Uh, the West Coast Eagles-Adelaide game. Um, West Coast Eagles obviously being a more fantasy-relevant side for us this year. Um, I think just starting with Yo and Sheed, I'm going to um, put these two together. Um, there's no doubts around their roles. Yeah, Yo only had 48% CBAs, but I guarantee that's just to get his um, load management in, just get him through the game unscathed, building in nicely to round one. Sheed as well, looked a little bit slow, looked a little bit off the pace at times, but the role is there. And he was someone that I kind of looked at and was getting a little bit worried and he found his way out of my side, but he's back in at the moment. I think if anything, he just looked like a player that's missed a lot of footy over the last year and I think he's just someone that is building nicely, well, not nicely, but is building into round one so that he can hit the ground running, Harmy. They're also getting beat pretty easily. Like, you sort of, some of the disposal efficiency and, like, you sort of saw Sheed working hard, but then the player that was kicking it to him kicked it to the opposition and he just had to have to come and stand the mark and stuff. Happened a bit. Yeah, and that's one thing we do have to consider. If uh, the Eagles are getting beat week to week, then there might not be that easy ball that he used to get back in the day so maybe his ceiling isn't quite as high but um, that's a fantastic point Harmy and that kind of leads into my next point is that the Eagles were still very much playing that chip chip mark style around the back line and although they've been on the record saying that they want to play faster footy this year there's a difference between wanting to play faster footy and actually being able to do it with the opposition that you're against so Adelaide defended quite well which meant that the Eagles were chipping around in the back line so I think your Shannon Hearn, Liam Duggan those type players were just getting the pill for fun um, even a Jaden Hunt back there looked like he fit into their system quite well um, and they were looking for him at times. I'm still a little bit iffy on him. He had 18 touches for still a score of 60. So um, maybe he's a little bit more of uh, quality over quantity like Louis has mentioned throughout the preseason, but might be someone that we need to look at um, if we don't get the rookies come round one. Just quickly, Ruben Jimby looked fantastic. Um, reminded me a little bit of a young Bontempelli with that size and the way he moved throughout that midfield. And his points per minute were were very good in terms of a 68-point score off only 55% game time. So I don't think he's going to be a massive time-on-ground guy to start the year. I think they'll build his loads quite nicely. But um, with the lack of options back there, he's someone that um, I'm going to say we just need to lock away and, and most of the comp's going to do the same thing. So even if he does flop a little bit, um, you're all... We're all in it together, so he will be fantastic for us. 
On the Adelaide side of things, um, there's not really too much to report. It was very much the same as last year in terms of Laird and Berry being the M1 and M2. Laird just does what he does. He's still a huge price tag and not someone I can pay up for, but um, if he comes out with 140s and you're captaining him, it could be a bit of a stroke of genius. Sam Berry didn't get as much of the ball as he did last week against Adelaide, but he's still in that midfield rotation around that 70% mark, and I think that's going to continue whether the scoring is going to be there to get him into that 95-plus range. I'm not too sure. Um, the other thing that I kind of noticed, so they did traditionally last year have an even tighter midfield mix. So you had your your keys go through there and, and then maybe a Saligo, but it was very clear that they have more options this year. So they've got Rochelle, Schomburg, Rankin, Saligo, and even keys at times all um, floating in there. So those guys... They're not going to have huge CBA numbers, um, but it just means that um, someone like a Keys is definitely someone that we need to get off our radars because that um, 80% midfield time that he's had in the past is not quite going to be there. And I think even like Louis mentioned, it seems like he's going to play that more defensive forward role, which can be pretty up and down for scoring. So just one to monitor there. The last one I want to kind of touch on was Luke Pedler, who I actually thought played quite well. Um, he seemed like he was everywhere in that first half in terms of that high half forward role, pushing up to the stoppages and then really working hard back. I was very surprised to see that his time on ground was only 55% come the end of the game. So whether that was a bit of a management thing in the second half with Adelaide being well on top, um, I'm pretty sure that's pretty much how it is. So he's someone that I'm definitely looking to lock in. Um, on my bench, being a 213k forward, whether he plays on ground or not, I think it's a little bit risky. It might be a bit of matchup dependent as the we go throughout the season. But boys, anyone else you want to touch on there before we move to the last game? Oh, Chesser, maybe Chesser. Probably wasn't. Oh, yeah. He, he played quite a lot of the game. That's the thing. He just didn't score that well. But um, I think he's still in consideration for us, bench only probably. Yeah, he he's someone that screams to me that. Um, he's just not quite um, at the fitness level and the and ready to play a full AFL game. Like there's a big difference between playing in the ones during match sim and playing in a practice game with 28 blokes that you can rotate as much as you want. So whether he's the sub or whether he's not quite there round one, I, th I think I'm probably leaning more towards that way. And as I mentioned on the AFL Fantasy Fanatics podcast last night, that if he doesn't get a game round one, the waffle doesn't start until round five. So it's going to be quite hard for him to break in. So if you were someone that might be considering starting him as that red dot at uh, D10, if we don't, or sorry, you know, D8, if we don't get the, the rookies, um, you might be waiting for a bit of a debut. But let's get into the last game. Harmy, finish us off with the Ds and the Tigers. Yep, no worries. Look, it's probably um, wasn't the best one to finish on because there wasn't as much fantasy-relevant stuff to talk about. I mean, Melbourne looked really strong. They're going to be pretty – like, they're going to be right up there by way of the ladder, but also they're going to score quite a few fantasy points, I reckon. Pretty fast, a lot of handballs, as I sort of spoke to the um, Collingwood style earlier. That that kind of seems to be it. Um Taranto, he, he is just awesome. I mean, he's having a great preseason. He's got the role, clearly, um, and I think he's someone that you, if, if you haven't <laughs> got him in your forward line, try and reshape it so that you can get him in there. The Tap brothers, um, Gorn and Grundy, continued their sort of 50% in the rut share, although Grundy kind of didn't play all of that second half. He uh, had about oh, just under 70% time on ground. But they both sort of rested forward. So their forward line sort of seemed to be Tom McDonald and Ben Brown and then a resting ruck. And um, when they didn't have a resting ruck there, they kind of played small with like yeah, Neil Bullen types. Um, and it worked pretty well for them. So I guess that doesn't probably leave any room for Van Roon. I don't, can't see him getting a game at least early in the season. Um, but Max was the better of the rucks. He scored really well, looked really strong, so he looks fit at the moment. Um, he is an option for us, maybe. I'm still not sure about these rucks. Um, Angus Brayshaw, look, he was okay. I think I'll probably talk about that Melbourne midfield mix a little bit. Man, um, James Harms is back in there, so... Uh, they had him and Cozzy Pickett, they, and then a little bit of Sparrow too, along with um, Clayton Oliver and uh, Christian Petrarca. So it looks like they're running a few more through there, and it's not Brayshaw. So I'm not sure where that puts him priced at high 90s. Um, I think he's still going to have a really good role in that back line, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of upside probably now. Um, but yeah, Harms back in there. I was pretty surprised, but that's where they went. Yeah, Harms, um, just on that, I, th I think you'll find that Harms having that big role in there is 
mainly because Viney's out. I think they like to have that sort of defensive-minded midfielder in there yeah. that allows, you know, Petrarca, Clary, and even like, a you know, Cozzy Pickett was in there. You know, they're in there clearly to hunt the pill and, and Harms does a bit of a job. So I think that's why yeah. Harms was in there that much and I'm not sure that's going to translate in the real, real deal. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he made his name as a tagger, didn't he? And he was the defensive one. You could see that. That's why Cochin got annoyed with him and sort of squashed him in that tackle, but he didn't get it weak. He got nothing. Um, so a couple of injuries to bear in mind. Um, Dion Prestia sort of strained his pick trying to go for a tackle. And also um, uh, Jaden Short's got a bit of a calf strain, so potentially a bit of... Um, space in that midfield for Richmond but I mean it's sort of like you got Shea Bolton and Dusty who hadn't really been playing much you got Cochin they're all sitting in the forward line so it's not as if it's going to create opportunity for any um any of the young guys I don't think so um and speaking of young guys I mean Jed McVie and Chandler look they were just okay I think you're talking about two strong teams here so I don't really see much opportunity for the rookies at the moment and then, yeah, probably just Hunter and Langdon on the wings. They were there all the time, and they looked really strong. So they, um, they're probably there, but it doesn't really help us with the midfield, I don't think, at the moment. So that's probably about it. I mean, Taranto was the big tick for me, and I'll probably put a line through Brody Grundy too now. Perfect, Tommy. I think you summed it up. The thing about Melbourne is, though, I'd, I have them pegged to be very, very dominant this year, and we know they're a high fantasy scoring side. So if you are looking to, to get those Melbourne guys in, yeah, they're looking to run a little bit more of a diverse midfield mix this year, but I can't see Clary Oliver only having 65% CBAs in the real thing and, and Petrarca the same. So well done, Harmy. Louis, do you want to finish up with anything in that game? No, just hoping that that Judd V actually gets to the line. So even though he did score that 10, uh, was stitched up a little bit in that he had the direct matchup on uh, Dusty Martin. So there's a little bit of a... Uh, baptism of fire there uh, he might be one that if we don't get that Chesser or if Chesser's the sub maybe we can put him at V but uh, yeah probably have the same amount of job security there so um, yeah let's hope he can come on but yeah, not, not a lot to take out of that game like Harmy said it wasn't massively fantasy relevant besides for a couple yeah boys what a fantastic episode for the listeners let's wrap it up there there's plenty of fantasy gold for, for everyone to go back and have a look there. I think we've covered just about every fantasy relevant player there is. Just a quick reminder, we will be doing our listener league draft next week. So we're going to draft our listeners to represent us. So if you haven't got your review in on the Apple podcast yet, get that done. Uh, next Monday we'll be doing that. But boys, um, you know, exciting times. Please don't play around with your teams too much in the next week and a half. But uh, what an exciting time. It's the best time of the year. So good luck and yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks, Andy. Oh,